Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. He has word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on it day According to be his purpose, to do purpose. It's his purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. To those who love God. To those who are called According to his purpose Purpose It's his purpose Not mine My little children I am writing you these things So that you may not sin But if anyone does sin We have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous one He himself is the atoning sacrifice For our sins and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have come to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. Day 85 of our 90-day challenge, and in the beginning of our purpose challenge, I told you that there was purpose poison. You remember that? Day one, Adam and Eve, the serpents start talking, stop talking to things that shouldn't be talking to you, all of that. So day one reminds us that there is a such thing as purpose poison. But today's purpose thought, day 85, reminds me that there are also purpose opponents. And 1 John outlines three 
of your purpose opponents. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Two lusts, one pride. All of them opponents. I want you to do some deep inventory of the things that are in your skeleton closet that you're afraid to talk about. Is the lust of the eye keeping you from experiencing the abundant life? Is the lust of the flesh cutting you off from being as productive as you can be? And is the pride of life one of the things that has inhibited your ability to see God in this season? Let those opponents know that the victory is already won. So you've got to master the thing you've been called to master and trust God to master the rest. Two moments that changed the game forever. The birth of my child and my stroke. November 25th, 2012, Zanai Esther was born. We named her Zanai because of Mount Sinai in the Bible. Moses goes to Mount Sinai and spends 40 days in the presence of the Lord and walks away with the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and several other commandments that are about 600 commandments. We don't really give them much play. But he spent quality time on the mountain. And we named her Zanai, a play off of Sinai, because we believed that my daughter, our child, would be a law-abiding Christian, right? I think she may end up a lawyer, uh, she may end up an artist, but she will be on the mountain of God at the peak of her life, proclaiming to all the love and the heart of God. So we named her Zanai. Well, my most memorable moment, not just about when Anna's water broke, or at least we thought that she had broken water. Hold on, is it broken water, breaking water, broken water? I don't know, child, I'm not a woman. Anyway, Anna was having a baby, okay? The first time we went to the hospital, it was just Braxton Hicks, so they sent us back. So two or three days after she tells me that she thinks she's in labor, I'm like, nah, I'm not about to drive all the way down to our hospital just for them to turn us around. Turns out though, when we got to the first hospital, she literally was having the baby. She was dilated and we had to rush. And I stepped into some dog mess when I got in the car to take her to the hospital. And so I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. Now I know water breaking means you uncomfortable, but did, did Anna, what's that smell <laughs> in the car? So I'm driving, I'm driving like, what is that? And so then Anna starts screaming. So every time she starts screaming, I'm trying to do all the lessons I learned in the Lamaze class, like, you know, all that stuff. None of that works. Y'all save y'all money. Don't y'all go to no Lamaze class because everything you learn is not going to actually happen when her water breaks. She was like, ah, and I was like, ah. So we were screaming. I'm screaming louder than her. I'm on the road. We about to die. Like I'm driving down the illegal part. You can't even drive it. I'm like, my, my, my baby's coming. My baby's coming. And Anna was like, oh, I just want holistic healing. I don't want any epidurals. I want to feel the pain of motherhood. And if I can, I would do a water bath and I would have the midwives come to the home. And she went on and on and on. Baby, when we got to that, <laughs> that hospital, she said, give me every needle and drugs we got. She's probably right now a drug addict. <laughs> she told them, give me that epidural. That thing went in. And next thing you knew, she was chill. But I had to then cut the umbilical cord. And I knew this is a moment. This is me. I'm about to cut the cord. This is going to be an experience that nobody will forget. Give me them scissors. I got it. Problem is, when that baby came out with all that blood, 
you know, I can't do blood. I, I was like, ooh. And it was like placenta and like all this other gooey stuff. Like, I don't know. And the baby was like white. So now I'm sitting here thinking, did she, did she sleep with somebody else? Because this baby don't even look like me. I mean, she was white, white, bright, white, like this light. I'm like, hold up. We're going to have to have a conversation. So I'm looking at the baby. I'm like, this baby don't look nothing like me. Got big ears. I don't have big ears. All white. We're going to have to talk. And they're going to they gonna tell me, Sean, cut the cord. So I'm sitting there literally crying like, oh, my God, I just can't do it. And Dr. Archie was like, no problem. I got it. She cuts the cord. And our baby's born. And it, it changed everything. My most memorable moment, though, that day was when I went to grab my daughter's hand. She was nestled safely in her own little bed. They had a light next to her. And I went to grab her hand, and she locked hands with me. And she hasn't let my hand go until this very day. She has locked her hands with me. At that time, her hands were too small to lock around my entire hand, but she took her entire hand in one finger and she locked her hands with me. That was a day I fell in love with purpose. That was the day that I understood that life is bigger than the money you make, the schools you go to, the books you write. Life is about the love that you share. The second cataclysmic moment of my life was in 2020, the year of the pandemic. The world has hit 700,000 deaths. COVID has ripped our normalcy apart. And now everybody has to learn life all over again. We have been put on punishment, sequestered to our rooms, and told we cannot come out the house. And I celebrate my 35th birthday June 17th, 2020, June 22nd, 2020, I have a stroke. I am in Washington, D.C. to visit my friends J.J. Hairston and Trina Hairston. I drive myself to their second home where they are recording their worship night. I was only there to assist from the background to help them with lighting or sound or anything that they needed coaching them through praying or preaching. I was just there to help. And I went to grab my black and white Herschel book bag. I'll never forget it. And for some reason, the button would not open. And I remember looking around saying, what's wrong with my book bag and why isn't it opening? Did somebody lock my book bag? Does my book bag have a key or a lock? And unbeknownst to me, I guess I was mumbling words that were not sensible because Trina looked at me and said, are you okay? I'm standing up and looking at her like normal. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. She said, no, something's not right. Somebody give me Benadryl. She thought I was having an allergic reaction. I got nervous. And so I walked away from the crowd to go to the bathroom. What I thank God about, what I thank God most for in this moment, in that moment, was that they started late. The recording was supposed to start at 7.30, but they were running behind. I got there at 8.15 or so. Within minutes, I had a stroke. Had they started the recording on time, I would have been on the sideline, stroking out, and nobody would have known it. I literally could have died. Even when I went back to my hotel room before going to Trina and JJ's house, I laid down and could not go to sleep. I can't imagine what would have happened if I let my body go to sleep and then woke up hours later 
but it would have been too late. They began praying for me. Someone called the ambulance. The next thing I knew, I could not pronounce the spelling of my last name. It was as if I could see the words hit the front of my brain, but I could not say them. And I remember looking at the paramedic in the ambulance saying, I'm so sorry, because I was embarrassed that I couldn't spell the words. All I knew in that moment was, I just don't want to die. God, I have a daughter. I don't want to die. Months before that, my stepfather had just passed away, had gone to the urgent care, ended up in the hospital, ended up on a ventilator, and then days later, he was gone. I said, I don't want to die. I began going through my phone to look at last text messages that I had with people that I loved. And even though I didn't know if I would die, I felt that if I had died, at least I died in worship. At least I died trying to help people get close to God. It's not the life I would have wanted, but it is an ending I would have been okay with. 35 years, I've lived and seen so much. I've seen success. I've seen failure. I've seen beautiful sunrises. I've met famous people. I've lived a life. I just didn't want to die. I went to urgent care, the hospital in Maryland. They ran me to the back. They did a CAT scan. In minutes, I came back. And then a doctor comes in from like a telemedicine screen and says, you've had a stroke and you need to have immediate surgery or else you're going to die. They said that the blood clot was on my brain and I needed to approve the surgery verbally because they didn't have time to print out the documentation for me to sign. I didn't even have my wallet. I literally went from the house with just my phone, no keys, no wallet, no shoes. Because when I walked from the car to the ambulance, I walked barefoot. When I got to the hospital, they showed me a couple pictures that I could identify, a key door, lock, purse. But by the time the doctor came on the screen to tell me that I needed to have surgery, they showed me those same pictures and I couldn't recognize them. I couldn't recognize the words. It was like the words would not come to my brain. And I got scared because my little brother, Nesley, had buried his brother, Malik, at the top of that year. And it all started with them going into his brain. So I thought if they go into my brain, what will they find? What is going on? To make it worse, they couldn't even do the surgery at that hospital. They had to helicopter me from that hospital to another. And I woke up the next day at 5 p.m. Hours had gone by, and I remember being drugged up 
opening my eyes in ICU and them seeing a phone, them showing me a phone with my mother screaming, I love you. I love you. I never appreciated those words more. She said, I love you, we're here. We're all here. For 19 days I spent alone in a hospital room because the pandemic disallowed my family from being able to come and visit me. 19 long days, two different hospitals, two major surgeries, a fasciotomy and a thrombectomy. And when I got home from the hospital, I had a wound that had not closed. The pain of a wound vac, the pain of people having to wash you up, the pain of having to learn to walk again, the pain of leaving your phone in the bathroom and then not being able to go back to get it because you were just too tired to go from one room to the next. The pain of having to get in the bathtub with one leg out so that you did not damage the wound that was still recovering. The pain of walking up the stairs, the pain of taking medication and then having to shoot yourself every day, twice a day with a blood thinner by injection so that you did not have another stroke. So the birth of my daughter and the birth of my sequel are the moments I will remember forever because God gave me a sequel and not everybody gets one. So I determined from that moment on that with this sequel, I was gonna kill it. I was going to do everything my brain could dream. I was going to write every book that my mind could imagine. I was going to tour the world and travel with people to help them to see the great and beautiful God that we serve. I was going to do it all. This video is a result of the birth of my daughter and the birth of my sequel. How are you gonna kill it? Not a second or another minute Not an hour or another day But at this moment with my arms outstretched I need you to make a way As you have done so many times before Through a window or an open door I stretch my hands to thee Come rescue me, I need you right away. I need you now, I need you now. I need you now, I need you now. Not another second or another minute. I can't wait another day, but Lord, I need you. Right away And if I never needed you before 
to show up and restore all of the faith that I let slip while I was yet searching the world for more the truest friend I have indeed you're my best friend I know in need I stretch my hands to thee come rescue me I need you right away the agony of being alone the fear of doing things on my own the testing trials that come to make me strong the feelings of guilt hurt shame and defeat the waves of trials that beat upon me but to know Lord that in you I've got victory I need you now Lord I need you now I need you right now right now I need you now Lord not another second not an hour or another day I need thee, oh, I need thee Every hour I need thee I need thee, oh, I need thee Lord, I need you right away Lord, I need you right away one touch from you, one word from you One touch from you, one word from you I need you now